Good morning. Our call to worship comes from Isaiah 45, 22 through 25. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and glorified. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to worship you this morning in response to your call to offer you the thanks and praise of which you alone are worthy. Help us, Lord, calm our fears, lift up our hearts in love of you. Help us to remember that you are the sole good, beauty, and truth that our hearts are made to desire. For whom have we in heaven but you? Help us to desire you above all else, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first hymn is hymn 105. Please be seated. 
As we come into the presence of our holy God, it is fitting that we acknowledge our sin before him with our prayer of confession printed in the bulletin. Please follow along with me as we pray our prayer of confession. Almighty God, long-suffering and of great goodness, we confess to you our neglect and forgetfulness of your commandments, our wrongdoing, thinking, and speaking, the hurts we have done to others, and the good we have left undone. O God, forgive us, for we have sinned against you, and grant us grace to walk in newness of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon, which is taken from Romans 8, the first four verses. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be assured that your sins are indeed forgiven because of Christ, and therefore you need no longer fear God's condemnation. And let us say, praise be to God. Our call to grateful obedience comes from Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Brothers and sisters, God has gifted each of us generously yet differently. While these gifts are more than sufficient for our service to one another, they leave us with our own limitations, so that no one of us is the total package, so to speak. However, our limitations are not reflective of inadequate provision on God's part or of personal deficiency, but are there in order that we should come together humbly and gratefully, dependent on God and on one another. Let us then be grateful for the gifts he's given us personally and be free to appreciate how he has gifted others. For this is God's will for you in Christ. And let us say, Amen. Our next hymn, 652, Savior Teach Me Day by Day. Thank you. 
Please be seated. And we uh, approach the throne of God together in prayer. Please join me in praying. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your, your greatness, your majesty, your authority over all the earth. And we approach you now asking for your kindness and your mercy on ourselves and on our world. There are nearly 8 billion of us on earth, and yet we cannot even number ourselves, and yet you know each one of us. We ask that you would open your arms and that many more would be saved. Continue to make yourself known to uh, people around the world. We pray for those who rule us uh, around the world and in our own country. We pray for President Biden, Vice President Harris, for the members of our Supreme Court, for uh, Senators Stabenow and Peters and our other various representatives in Washington. We pray for our Governor Whitmer and Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist and our various other representatives in Lansing. For all of them, Lord, we ask that you would empower them to govern us with justice and with mercy. We ask that they would be wise and honorable in conducting policy within our own country and in foreign countries. We ask that you would improve our nation by refining it in your image, even using leaders who do not know you or perhaps even openly despise you to do your will. We beg that you would not allow the blessings that you have given us, especially our freedom to worship you, to be restricted or taken from us. Lord, we pray for the church universal, that you would continue to shepherd your sheep around the world. Despite our many differences, we pray that your one true, clear gospel would continue to be proclaimed and that you would thwart those who would water it down to appeal to socially popular human wisdom. We especially pray for your protection and your strengthening of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world in places like Burma and China, Eritrea, India, Iran, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and Vietnam. Lord, continue to protect their bodies as well as their souls. Let them be bold witnesses for you. We pray that you would continue to strengthen your missionaries around the world. For those we know, for those our congregation and denomination supports, for those we know personally, we pray that you would continue to fill their lives with the encouragement and uplift of uh, other Christians. We pray for missionaries that you would continue to provide for them uh, financially in times of economic instability when people may be tempted to uh, cut back on uh, certain expenses in their lives. We pray that you would continue to support your missionaries. And for those of us who have not been called to that specific mission field, please continue to uh, use us to fill these roles of encouragement, financial support, and thereby participate in your great commission. Lord, we pray for the growth and education here at Providence Church. Please continue to give the session wisdom on what you would have taught. Provide us with good resources, with teachers to lead. We pray for our other activities as a congregation as well. In our geographic diversity and busyness of schedule, Lord, please continue to provide opportunities for us to be together, to grow together, to fellowship together, and to love each other. Lord, we pray for the other churches in our area. 
We pray that Southeast Michigan would be known as uh, a hotbed of faith in you. Uh, Strengthen those churches which do preach your gospel and um, continue to give us fellowship and, and ties with them. We pray for the welfare of our own congregation. From the very beginning, we chose the name Providence and acknowledgement of your lordship over this congregation and everything about it. Lord, to continue to provide for our needs, uh, all that we know of and, and even those that we do not. Um, continue to help each of us uh, individually to grow in sanctification and give us the energy and wisdom and humility to do your work well. Lord, you know all of our needs, even those which are are perhaps hidden from us as a community or hidden from us even personally. We ask for healing and for comfort for those who need it. We ask you to surround us with other children of God who love you and who love our souls. We ask you to give each of us the timing, the words, and the deeds to be Christ in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And we cling to your promises and anticipate the eventual day when we will all be made perfect and enjoy fellowship unbroken with you in heaven. Finally, Lord, for those that we know and love who do not know and love you, we pray for them earnestly. For those who do not know you, we pray that you would give us opportunities and boldness to share your gospel with them. For those who have heard of you but who despise your gospel, may your spirit work in them. Your word is full of stories of those who despised you or betrayed you, becoming bold witnesses for you, even to the point of martyrdom. And we beg that you would intervene in the lives of these friends and relatives of ours, to their eternal salvation, to our own great joy, and to your eternal glory. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We will now collect our tithes and offerings. In the name of Jesus, we bring our gifts to you, O God. 
be seated and join me as we pray for uh, the Lord's illumination as we read his word today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning and for giving us this joyful opportunity to gather in your name, to worship you, and to spend time in your word and hearing the preaching of that word together. Lord, I pray you would quiet our minds to all external distractions, that you would make our hearts and our minds soft soil for the seeds of wisdom that you have for us. Lord, bless our reading. In Christ's name, amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. We now join in our Psalter response, which is taken from Psalm 94. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? 
They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? When I thought, my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? But the Lord has become my stronghold, and my God the rock of my refuge. Our epistle reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 3. Verses 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Finally, our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The word of the Lord.
Good morning. I don't want to keep looking at my watch, and I, I know when I need to stop. Nancy, stop me at 10.50. I have 15 minutes before communion, okay? Just go, yeah, it's done. Well, thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm trying to figure out when the last time was. I think the country just collapsed since I left. I left here. If I would have just stayed, things would have been great. But God had a different plan. Um, So Exodus 20.15 is the text. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. Who stole my water? (laughs) Hmm. On the table. Okay. But somebody drank half of it. (laughs) I chose this passage, the Eighth Commandment, And it just seems like there's been a lot of stealing going on in America since the last time we were here, Nancy. I just see these pictures on the news of people busting windows and businesses and just stealing and just taking what they want. So I have a burden for our country. I have a burden for this commandment because it's not being revered in our nation. And God is not going to tolerate it much longer, I'm afraid. Listen to the words of Martin Luther. He said, if we look at mankind and all its conditions, it is nothing but a vast, wide, stable full of great thieves. That's America. Luther also speculated on what would happen if we were all brought to justice. And listen to what he says. It is the smallest part of thieves that are hung. If we were to hang them all, where would we get enough rope? And then he concluded by saying, we must make all our belts and straps into ropes for hanging criminals. Notice our first point this morning. There are many ways to steal. Some have chosen just to get a chair and break the front window or blow it out with a shotgun or whatever. Now, that's pretty radical, but there are many ways to steal other than that. We had a lady in one of my churches. I won't even give you the state that it was in, but nice lady, young, in her 30s, children, or at least one child, great husband. And after my wife and I completed our work there, we heard that she got arrested because she went into a store and changed the tags. Back in those days, in the 70s, you could switch tags because there weren't computers or wands to tell you what the price of the item was. So she got a discount. She gave herself a discount. Carl Menninger, a psychologist at the University of Kansas, wrote a book, Whatever Became of Sin. And that's what's going on in America, Whatever Became of Sin. And he called stealing, stealing, which... A lot of people just call it a five-finger discount. And I saw a lady on TV who had been arrested 150 times, and they just kept letting her go out. And then we were 
foster parents of a little boy that was about 10 years old, and he told me that before we began taking care of him, he got a coat and he put pockets in it so he could go into stores and steal, and he told me that his mother, who was a prostitute, would go into the doctor's office before she had her checkup. Nobody's in there, of course. You're getting ready for the doctor to come in, and she would steal Band-Aids and uh, Q-tips, on and on it goes. So stealing is a problem, and it's a sin. Unfortunately, we aren't calling it sin in America much anymore. But to steal means to take something that does not belong to you. Duh! The Hebrew word literally means to carry something away by stealth. What the Eighth Commandment forbids seems to be very simple. Very simple to understand and comprehend. However, many people fail to understand the full meaning because there are countless ways that people violate this commandment. George W. Robertson, in his book, The Eighth Commandment, describes some of the ways people steal, and there's a lot. He says they pilfer public property, stealing supplies from hospitals, building sites, and churches. He goes on, in fact, one hotel reported in its first year of business, the very first year having to replace 38,000 spoons, 18,000 tiles, 355 coffee pots, and 100 Bibles. They even stole Bibles. Let's hope they read the Ten Commandments. Radio preacher Alistair Begg shared how to read. Let me try it again. Radio preacher Alistair Begg shared how he read of a school teacher who, in seeking to impress upon her class the importance of honesty, she confronted her class with this question. I don't know how old the class was, but she said, suppose you found a briefcase with half a million dollars in it, what would you do? Well, some of the kids said, well, if it belonged to the poor people, I would return it. But if it belonged to rich people, I would keep all of it. Again, duh, what's wrong with this story? What's wrong with this picture? Of course you're supposed to return it, no matter if they're rich or poor. God does not accept any human rationale for dishonest dealings. Ephesians 4.28 talks about that. Stealing can be done in three ways, in thought, word, and in deed. First, the first stage of stealing is in our brains, in our thinking. Theft of thought includes greed. This means having an unrighteous craving for temporal goods. 1 John 15, 16. Remember the man Demas. Demas abandoned Paul because he got in trouble in this whole area of lusting after the things of this world and loving this world. So he left Paul. The greedy person is never satisfied. It doesn't seem that you can ever satisfy him. He wants more and more and more and more and more. He always has a lust for more. The conscience of a greedy person just doesn't seem to get it. They don't seem to be very sensitive to what they're doing. They just want more and more and more until the gospel is heard, and then they get it. I can be content with Christ, even though I'm not content with all the goodies. I have all the blessings, and they probably don't even call them blessings until they're converted. And then they understand that a greedy person does not set his faith and hope on God, but on uncertain riches, and 1 Timothy 6.17 addresses that. That riches are uncertain. They can come and go, and inflation can take a lot of it. 
and so can thieves. So our first priority is to take care of our souls, amen, right? And in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not other people's things. To avoid greed, we must learn to be content with our daily bread. The Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. So when God gives a surplus, we should wait, we should not waste it, but spend it wisely. And I've worked in the public school system as a substitute teacher the last couple of years, and there is so much waste going on, folks. It's unbelievable. And it goes on probably in a lot of families, Christian families, were to be good stewards. So we can avoid breaking the Eighth Commandment with our sinful, greedy thoughts. It's just as bad as breaking somebody's window and stealing their items in that business. According to God, it doesn't affect as many people, but it's still sin. And so we should fix our faith on God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We don't have to steal things to get along and to get, to get by. God will take care of the Christian. He even takes care of unbelievers because the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. It's hard to understand, but God is so patient, even with unbelievers and, <laughs> and, and Christians. But there's a second form of theft, theft. In word, what we say, we should live and let live without taking advantage of anyone. For instance, overrating and overpricing goods. In other words, you're lying now about the value of something, and maybe you're selling it, and you know you're ripping them off. I heard a guy in one of my churches bragging about how he made a $10,000 deal on selling a tractor when the, the particular tractor he had was less than 10% of that out of his pocket, so he, you know, he thought it was a great deal, but he overrated and overpriced his goods. And he had admitted it, but he got all that money. Someone has wisely explained it this way, do not ask too much for goods by praising them with many sweet words. And that's what this man had done, and boy, did he make some money. And that's stealing, doing it that way. Theft and word also occurs when we break a promise. Some guy in my church years ago came up to me, he'd been there two or three times, and he goes, I need some transportation. I have a family. Oh, I have a motorcycle, almost brand new. I need to get rid of it. I've almost been killed a couple of times. I want to sell it. So we made a deal on what to do. And I said, oh, you know, how about the first payment in a month? That was stupid. So I waited months and months, and finally looked him up, and and. And he said, oh, by the way, the motorcycle, I, haven't, I realize I haven't paid for it or anything. And he says, but it's in Ohio on the, on the freeway in a pile. It's been in a wreck. So I didn't get my money. He didn't keep his promise. He robbed me. He stole from me. In Romans 131, Paul calls those who do not honor a contract covenant breakers or untrustworthy. Well, there's a third type of theft, theft indeed. These include robbery, forcefully taking someone's goods, falsely reporting the weight or measure of food, falsely representing the value and quality of goods in advertising, monopolizing the market to get excessive prices for goods, shameful business schemes, betting or gambling, making unreasonable profits from lending money, failing to return lost goods, not returning something we borrowed from a neighbor, 
or returning it damaged or ruined, charging something on credit without paying for it. On and on it goes. Improperly paying workers, accepting bribes, theft at work when employees fill in employees fill in false time cards and failing to put in a full day's work. Wow, that's quite a list. I loaned a minister friend of mine years ago a really great fishing net for salmon. It was a gym dandy. I really paid for that one. He brings the thing back. No, he didn't. He brought back a thing because he had lost that one. And he returned something that was like 15% as much value as the one that he borrowed from me. Was that stealing? I'm not going to judge that. Maybe, it was, maybe he just didn't get it. <laughs> so what I had was you know, a lot more expensive, but I forgave him. We moved on. I think I moved on. I'm talking about it now. Maybe I didn't move on. It still bugs me, I guess. <laughs> so we're going to have to wind this down, dear friends. We see then that stealing is, is wrong, but why is stealing wrong? It's a sin against God. Because it robs God of the provision that he has provided for someone else. And it's also about stewardship. Whatever we possess is God's property and he gives us the responsibility of looking after it. So the only hope to stop this is the gospel of Jesus Christ that comes into somebody's heart. Now, I had a list in closing of something that... The Bible says about the devil, he's a thief. He's come to kill and destroy, John 10.10. So I wrote some things down, and we're going to close and go to the communion. He steals us of our joy. He tries. He tries to rob us of our assurance. Tell us, you're not a Christian. Look what you did. You said that bad word or you, 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 whatever it is. Or you're going to go preach today at... Providence Church, and you did this or that. He tries to rob us of our assurance. The answer is, run to the scriptures. Tell the Lord that you sinned. Confess it. And move on. And do your best not to do it anymore. Ask God for grace. And then another thing, he tries to rob our freedom. We're not slaves of sin anymore. Yes, we do sin, but we're not slaves. Now we can put up our dukes and fight the devil. Because we're born again. We have a new heart. We want to do what's right. And then he robs us of our love for Christ. He tells us, well, the Lord, eh, yeah, I realize that he died on the cross, but do you really think that that redeemed you from your sins? Do you really believe that? Yes, we do. Because it's in the Bible. And then he robs us of our unity and peace with other people. That happens a lot, even in the church. We, maybe that's a good reminder when we take communion. Let's don't have a grudge against anybody this morning. And then the number, number six, he robs us of our time, our time with the Lord. Reading and praying. And then he tries to rob us of our service for Christ. And so he says things like, well, you don't have time to do that, or you're not very good at that, or other people can do it better. You don't have a gift to do that. So he's trying to steal all of that. Are you letting these things happen in your life? I hope and pray not. Now's a good time to say to the Lord as we begin to move toward the communion service, Lord, I confess that I've stolen 
I thought these people that are on the news breaking all these windows and taking what they want, I thought pretty highly of myself until maybe this morning when I see a little clearer that I can steal with my brain, I can think and be greedy, and I can do all these things. I can actually do it with my word, by not keeping my promise. On and on it goes. We can pilfer at work. And if we've done those things, the answer is the gospel. I want to bring hope. The answer is Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. I hope you believe that and have that hope today. If you do, you're welcome to take communion if you're a member in good standing here. If you're a visitor, I don't know all of you folks, and you've been born again, and you're a member in good standing somewhere else, or I believe your elders allow you to take communion today. Yes? Oh, he said yes. Hallelujah. I don't lose my job. So with that in mind, let's bow our heads and look to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll begin the communion service. Thank you, Lord, that we've seen a little clearer today, I hope, dear Heavenly Father, that stealing is a serious thing. The Eighth Commandment is not something that we can ignore, although we sometimes feel like, well, I don't steal. And that's our goal, dear Lord, to be faithful to you. And we know that the devil is just alive and well on planet Earth, and we just pray that we won't listen to his attempts to get us to steal. Bless now what we're about to do with receiving and celebrating communion together. In Jesus' name, amen. We move now to our unison confession of faith as we stand together, the Nicene Creed, and we can read together Let us begin. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father for all works, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory, judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the Lord to come. Amen. Let's remain standing. We'll turn to 526. Blessed are the sons of God. Do you believe that? I do. We are blessed as his sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. 
Please be seated, and this being the last uh, Lord's Day of August, we collect uh, our diaconal offering and invite the ushers to come forward and collect that now. blessing which you have filled so bountifully for us and this we ask in Jesus name Amen We begin with the words of institution from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 31. I'll read those verses, and then after reading that, we'll move on to the bulletin here where it says the great thanksgiving, Uh, and then eventually I'll go down there, and I understand that you folks will come forward and receive the bread and the cup, and then you'll go back, and then we'll continue to participate together. So hear God's word from uh, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, of course, and the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 31. Hear God's holy word. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed and took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. 
So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together it will not be for judgment about the other things I will give directions when I come. God's holy word from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's a great honor to celebrate with brothers in the Lord. I don't know all of you, but we are brothers and sisters in the Lord, and this helps unite us and causes us again to remember that our common denominator in all of this is Jesus Christ who died on the cross to redeem us from our sins. That's why, I mean, I hear people say bad things about the church quite a bit, and I I tell them the best people I know are in the church. Yeah, there are problems with people that people have in the church. I have a few myself. I, I, I think all of us do. But they're the friendliest people, and they're just a delight to be around 99.9% of the time. I'm not always a delight to be around. Uh, I think I was this morning until, until I had to hurry to get ready. Even though I woke up at 4.30, I don't know what I did with the time. But you see, isn't it great to do this together? Let's just don't, let's don't make this just a ritual. Let's make it a worship time. I understand you do this weekly, correct? Well, some people criticize that and go, why weekly? It shouldn't get old. We're supposed to do it regularly. We're supposed to do it on a, often is the better word. I've been in churches where we did it four times a year. Okay. I think whenever we do this, if we do it often, we should prepare our hearts on Saturday night or during the week because we are going to be here receiving this together with brothers and sisters and we don't want to do it in an unworthy manner. We've been warned in the Bible not to do that. We just read that. So what is a worthy manner? Doing it from the heart and realizing that this isn't a ritual, that we have this privilege because it represents what Jesus did on the cross and what did he do? Well, he gave his life for sinners. The bread reminds us of his body that was abused. And it was just a horrible thing. I've been reading about crucifixion. You've read about it. We've read about it in the Bible, but it probably about the worst thing you can die of is being crucified. And then, of course, the blood. He shed blood on the cross reminds us what we're doing here today by drinking from the cup there. He really did bleed and give his life as a sacrifice for his people. And so we have great thanks in our hearts. That's why we have this responsive reading there in the bulletin. And I'll begin and then the congregation can read the bold-faced type. But let's do it with grateful hearts. It's so easy. Even me sitting here and trying to worship, which I did, but, you know, things I have to remember. And then I just pause and go, just don't sweat it. You're here to worship, and things are going fine. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so the minister, which is me, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and a good and joyful thing. All glory and honor are yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And together we say, 
Now, what I would like to do before, and I'm called to do it, make a couple more comments, and then we will read about the bread and about the cup and have the congregation come forward and take, that, take the elements back to the seats, and then we'll proceed. I've made a few comments about communion. I don't know if it's your policy to read it all, but can I just summarize? Okay. Um, The Lord's Supper is an ordinance instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't dream it up, and neither did the elders or deacons. It's always been in God's decrees. He's always planned it this way, and here we are. We're doing this because it's in the Bible. He wants us to do it, as I've said, often. And it also speaks here about remembering the sacrifice that he actually was involved in and made for his people. Not everybody. He didn't die for everybody. He died for his people. That's an important thing. We could have a sermon on that, but not this morning, unless you want to. But really, we have the sermon here because I think it was Thomas Watson, the great scholar Thomas Watson and teacher and preacher, he said this is a visible sermon. So we see the cross there, but that's not what he was talking about, although we do accept the cross as a visible symbol of his death. But in communion, I've already said it, the bread and the cup of wine or juice represents his sacrifice on the cross, what he did for sinners. It's an amazing thing. And we respond in humble service. We respond in saying, if you did this for me, dear Lord, you did it for all of your people, all those born-again Christians, and they're my brothers and sisters in the Lord, so I don't want to have a grudge, but if I'm holding a grudge against somebody, please forgive me before I receive communion, or if I've sinned this morning, driving to church, or if I sinned yesterday, which we all probably did so far this weekend. I don't know anybody here today that hasn't. I don't have the eyes of God, but I have a Bible that says we struggle with it regularly. Paul said it in Romans 7, that which I don't want to do, that which I do, I don't. But that doesn't give us an excuse to sit here and say, well, I'll take communion. And everybody sins anyway. No, let's take, take it to the Lord. If you can think of things that you've done, confess it. Even David said in in the word of God in Psalms, he said, forgive me for my sins of ignorance. So somebody once said, I heard this in the denomination I used to be in, I won't tell you which one, but they were always saying, not always, but often said things like, well, sin is only sin if you do it willfully. Duh, every sin that I've ever committed, I willfully did it. Nobody got a gun in my head and said, hey, go lie or go steal. Right? We do it willfully and sometimes in ignorance, but we still need God's forgiveness. So with those words, we want to, before we move on here and actually read something about the bread and the cup, it says, God is faithful and true to fulfill the promises of the covenant, but they also summon us to all the duties of the children of God and call us to renewed consecration and gratitude for his service We can renew our commitment to the Lord this morning, and I hope you do. So before the congregation comes forward and and 
takes the uh, elements back to the uh, seats and waits for us to all do this together, we read here, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, having taken bread and blessed and broke it, gave it to his disciples as I'm ministering in his name, Give the bread unto you, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And then, words about the cup, our Savior also took the cup, and having given thanks, as has been done in his name, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remissions of, for the remission of sins. Drink ye all of it. Let's sing a hymn. We'll sing number 146, Break Thou the Bread, and then verses 1 through 4, During Distribution of Bread in the Cup. How do we do this? We will, we will allow the congregation to sing as we call individuals up. Oh. And you can come, you can come oh, here. Okay. Okay. And once we distribute, we'll sing.
Jesus said these words recorded by John chapter 6, beginning with verse 32. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's take the bread and let's eat together the bread. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this visible sermon in the bread that teaches us and shows us that Jesus is indeed the one who nourishes us, but more than that, he's the one who died on the cross to redeem us from our sins. He had a real body. He was a human being, but he was also divine. And he's in heaven today. And someday he'll return and bring his children to heaven with him. Oh, we celebrate that reality that we, by faith we embrace it and we pray that even this morning our faith is being built up and increased because of what you did for us as we've been reminded today. Amen. Take now the cup and let's drink together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as the cup is lifted to our lips and we partake by drinking, we're reminded again, as was indicated earlier, that real blood was shed on the cross, and with no disrespect, you are the Lamb of God. What a great analogy, as the Bible teaches, that you were slaughtered on the cross. You were given, you were perfect, and you still are perfect. And so we thank you that the perfect sacrifice was indeed the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, our sins are indeed uh, imputed to you on the cross, and your righteousness is imputed to us by faith, and we trust you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing, Lord, dismiss us with your blessing. Number 384.
from Hebrews chapter 11, and then we'll have a congregational response. Reading verses 20, no, excuse me, chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated, and good morning to you all. Uh, it's a joy to worship with you this morning. Um, I'd like to, of course, thank uh, Pastor Tolley for being with us and uh, leading the worship this morning. Um, and uh, so thank you very much for, for making the trip and, um, and blessing us with the, uh, with the preaching and uh, with leading our service. Um, as far as major announcements, there are not a ton. One is uh, that uh, in the absence of our usual leader, uh, we will not have Christian education this morning, so maybe take some extra time to um, to fellowship together. I know there's a, a segment of us and perhaps even a majority of us for whom that, that window is never quite as long as we'd like, so um, have those conversations. I also see uh, quite a few uh, new or uh, unfamiliar faces, so um, introduce yourselves and spend some time talking. Uh, the main thing that, to which I would direct your attention um, is uh, Pastor Jeff is starting up um, an attempt to meet with students uh, every Wednesday at Lawrence Tack for um, for prayer with the students there. And so I would ask just please pray for this. Um, this is uh, obviously one of our uh, one of our callings as as any church congregation is to um, to to reach out and to to uh, connect with. Uh, the community around you and, and to spread the gospel in that way. And um, those of you who've been here a long time have, you know, kind of know that uh, that our neighborhood has never been a, a super fruitful ground for that. So um, this is a, an awesome opportunity, uh, starting with, with just one person, but an awesome opportunity for uh, what we have and uh, the blessings we've received to be uh, used in the community to students. Um, and so please pray for that outreach, which begins on uh, September 7th. Um, also next week, there will not be Christian Ed because it is our fellowship meal. So uh, next week uh, will be uh, fellowship meal, September 4th. And uh, upcoming later in September, so uh, fellowship meal, September 4th. Uh, first prayer meeting at uh, Lawrence Tech on September 7th. Uh, on September 8th, the Thursday, the women's prayer meeting will be um, is it at the church or at the Roberts's house? Because the bulletin says both. So Roberts's house. Okay, so Roberts's house, uh, Deneen's place, as it has sometimes been called from this lectern, um, and uh, also then the uh, Thursday Bible study will start the following week on September fifteenth 
and Friday evening prayer the following week uh, after that at September 23rd at the Hannam's house. Uh, That is all I have for you. Does anyone else have anything else? All right. Well, I will wish you good morning and uh, enjoy some fellowship together.